0: So a few months ago, I added something to my daughter Marvel's bedtime routine. Um, It's it's great. She likes jokes, and she likes to tell jokes. More importantly than she likes jokes, she likes to tell jokes. And so I decided a few weeks ago we were going to add something to her bedtime routine. After we did Bible story, after we do songs, after we pray together, we do joke time, and she loves it. And so usually it'll start with, she'll tell me to go first, and I'll tell her a great dad joke, like, you know, what do you call a cow sitting on the floor? ground beef and she cracks up laughing because let's be honest I am hilarious. So anyway, so so she then, then usually she will respond now it's my turn and she'll sit up and she's so proud of telling her joke, and she'll say, you know, what is mommy and da 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 da, da and kitty and da da da, da and a mumbles mumbles, mumbles and diaper and all all the words that she's really comfortable with, and then she'll raise her tone and she'll say, get it waka waka because that's what that's how Fozzie the bear ends every joke on Muppet Babies, and that's her favorite thing. And so I I crack up laughing, even though let's be honest, her jokes aren't all that good, and they don't the punchlines don't very much, very often make sense. But she's my daughter. I want her to feel confident in her ability to. Tell jokes and 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 it's a great thing and it's wonderful, and we laugh and we laugh and we laugh and it's great. So anyway, so we so a few weeks ago, about two weeks ago, we're we're doing this as, as as your bedtime routine, and we get through all of the other parts of the bedtime routine, and instead and, and I say, Okay, it's joke time, and she goes, my turn. And instead, instead of having me tell the joke, first, she set up and she was very excited. She was going to tell me her joke. And I was like, Oh my goodness, she has been planning this. She has been planning for a while this joke and so she sits up and I say okay baby what's what's your joke and as fast as could be, she lifted up my shirt as I'm laying down on the bed. She lifted up my shirt, both hands in the air, and slapped down on my belly, on my bare belly. She slapped down on my bare belly and just started cracking up laughing. She yelled, hi And then cracked up laughing as she hit my belly. And because I was so surprised by this, I was expecting like a joke. Like I, she just hit me in the stomach. I started cracking up laughing. She's cracking up laughing. And Eventually I catch my breath and I say, baby girl, I don't really get the joke, but that was pretty funny. And she goes, you don't get it? Waka waka. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's that's how we end the jokes. And then she, after we stopped laughing, she looked at me and just like dead in the eyes, she goes, Daddy, the joke was that your your body's funny. I was like, "What? What things like that made me feel great. Like thank you, Marvel. Thank you so much. We'll take away your inheritance. It's great." Anyway, today I want to talk about our body, not the physical body, but I want to talk about the body of Christ, our church. And if you're not familiar with that language, one of the primary metaphors that Paul uses throughout the New Testament to talk about the Church of Jesus Christ is the metaphor of a body. Paul continually calls us the body of Christ. In this metaphor, Paul is going to draw some big parallels between the human body and what he calls the body of Christ. In the passage that we're specifically going to read together today, Paul uses this metaphor to answer some big questions for the church in Corinth about who the church is called to be, what the church is called to do, and how the church is called to do it. And he doesn't just answer these questions for the church in Corinth, he answers these questions for every church for all of time, which means he answers these questions for our church about who we're called to be, what we're called to do, and how we are called to do it. Now the background of the letter to the church in Corinth is actually seen right on the pages of the letter, letters to the church in Corinth. Corinth was one of those, one of these cities that Paul had actually spent the most time of any of the cities that he had traveled with. So he actually stayed there for a great extended period of time. He Pastored this church for a season, like most of the places that Paul would go, he would he would preach, he would start a church, he would leave someone else in charge. But Corinth was a special, was was a was a, a different case. Paul went there, he preached. He stayed there for a long chunk of time. Paul actually can, like would have been considered the pastor of this church. And so Paul had great moments of, of, of influence. He knew these people. He had, he had big influence within the church in Corinth or should have had big influence within the church in Corinth. But ironically enough, of all of the churches that Paul began and that Paul preached and that Paul had some relationship with, Corinth was probably the most messed up. It's the one that Paul had the most relationship with, that he pastored the longest, and the one that was the most messed up, which is kind of ironic. when When I say it was messed up, when I say it was messed up, here's what we're talking about. In the church in Corinth, there was conflict, there was favoritism, There was division in the church based on what people's lives looked like outside of the church in relation to background and work. There had become an idea of a hierarchy that some people have really impressive gifts and other people have less impressive gifts. There were arguments that some people are better than others because of who baptized them. I mean, can you imagine actually having an argument like, well, I'm a better Christian because Chris baptized me than you who Devin baptized? Like, can can you even imagine Thinking that way, but they had, had they had these arguments over who was baptizing people, and that certain people baptizing other people made some some people better. There was sexual scandal that had unfolded right before the people of the church, and no one said a word about it, and no one put an end to it. There's division over which teachers should be listened to and respected the most, and there's a bit of selfishness that has worked its way into the church overall, as people are unwilling to share what is theirs for the benefit of other people in the church, particularly d- during what was called the Lord's Supper that we would call communion. It was the feast that where they would bring, kind of like a big potluck, where they would celebrate what Jesus had done with his, with his body broken for us and his blood shed for us. They would bring what they had, but people were not willing to share. So they would eat everything that they brought because they said, well, this is good. I don't want to share it with anybody else. This had worked its way into the church. So speaking to that group of people, Here's what Paul writes to remind them of who they are, what they're called to do, and how they are called to do it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12, we're told this The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. One whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Here's something that we need to remember. This is some of the who we're called to be, what we're called to be. Different backgrounds, different experiences, one body. Different backgrounds, different experiences, one body. For them, Paul highlights that some came from a Jewish background of faith and others did not. And regardless of their varying backgrounds of faith, they now belong to one body of faith. Similarly, Paul mentions that some are slave and some are free. Important to note, this was not an endorsement of slavery, but an acknowledgement of the reality of that day and age, that within the church, within the body of Christ, there were some people who lived their lives outside of the church as free people who could work on their own, who could, who could decide what, what, the, what the course of their lives would be. And there were some people who were slaves and they were not in control of their own lives as much as the people who were free. This was an acknowledgement of the reality of life. But Paul says, whether you're slave or free or anywhere on on a spectrum between the two, when we come to our faith in Christ, when it comes to the body of Christ, we are not members of a slave body or a free body. We are members of the body of Christ. Christ. And so Paul says to all of these people, I know you come from different backgrounds religiously, but when it comes to Jesus, because of Jesus, you are one body. And I realize you come from different experiences and the life and the life that you live outside of the outside of the time that we spend together as a church, I realize it looks different for people because of where you work and who you work for and what your freedoms are and all of this stuff. But when it comes to Jesus, because of Jesus, you come into this place, you come into this body as one body, as one people, as one people. You are not Jewish Christians or Gentile Christians, you're Christian Christians. You are not free Christians or slave Christians, you are Christian Christians. In our world today, In our world today, the reason I think this is so important to highlight is I think we need to be reminded that we do come from many different backgrounds, but in the church, we are one body. We come from backgrounds where some of us have been around church our entire lives and others of us have been around church for about three weeks. And when we come together, we are one body body. We come from backgrounds where some of us are Republicans and some of us are Democrats, but when we come together, we are called to be one body, not Republican Christians or Democrat Christians. We're Christian Christians, we come together as white, black, brown, and any shade of melanin that exists under the sun. We don't have to put away our, our differences or our background experiences. We bring them together in the body of Christ, in the church of Jesus Christ. In light of what we've gone through in the last two years, some of us have been really, really hesitant about COVID. Others of us have been very, very like, completely like, hey, whatever, we're going to go and do whatever we want. And in the church of Jesus Christ, whether you're COVID hesitant or whether you're COVID like, let's go do whatever we want. We are one body. Whether whether, Whether you were cool with mass or whether you fought the mass, we are one body. And here's what's so important to understand here. Whoever you are, the church is a body for you. Whoever you are, the church is a body for you. This is who we are called to be, a people and a place where everyone is welcome and wanted and included and needed as a part of the body of Christ. That's who and what we're called to be, a group of people that's the most inclusive group in the world because the one that brings us together is so much bigger than all the little things that divide the rest of of the world. We are not going to divide over background. We're not going to divide over experiences. We're going to bring all of our background and all of our experiences and all of our abilities and we're going to bring it to the body so the body can be what the body is supposed to be. Whoever you are, the church is a body for you. Now, after after saying this, Paul makes a turn to help us know what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. He said, "Here's who we're called to be." Different backgrounds, different experiences, but one body, that's who you're called to be. But now here's what you're called to do and here's how you're called to do it. In verse 14, he says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? which you read those, we read those verses, we're like, what in the heck is Paul talking about? Like, like why would Paul bring this up? This is actually Paul using something in an argument form, in logic terms, called reductio ad absurdum. This is a Latin term, or reductio ad absurdum, which is a form of argument that attempts to establish a claim by showing that the opposite scenario would lead to absurdity or contradiction. So Paul establishes this absurd example, not because because Paul was bored, but because this was happening in the church of Corinth. And let's be honest, this still happens today. In Corinth, everyone wanted to have and use the same gifts. In this example, what Paul references and what Paul's talking about specifically is mentioned in earlier passages. It was, it, everyone wanted to teach. Everyone wanted to speak in tongues. Everyone wanted to prophesy. Everyone wanted to give words of wisdom. And, and if you notice, they all end up with someone standing in front of people and everyone has to listen to what the person is saying they all wanted attention. They all wanted acclamation. They all wanted honor. They all wanted power. They all wanted authority. They wanted the gifts because the gifts entitled them to these things and enabled them to receive these things that they that they wanted so much. Paul is saying, what Paul is saying, he's saying, look, some of you, you want to be used like a mouth, but you're a foot. And as long as you wanna be a mouth, but you are a foot, you are gonna be missing out on being the foot that you are called to be. Some of you, you wanna be used like a mouth, but you're a hamstring. And as long as you're a hamstring wanting to be a mouth, you're not gonna be the hamstring that you were created to be. It's absurd to think that you would all have the same gift and be used in the same way because God wants the body to be whole and healthy. And if we all, and if we're all mouths, we ain't. A body. If we're all mouths, we ain't a body. we're just one big old mouth. And Paul here seems to imply two, that there are two pitfalls that we can fall into when we when we fall into that thinking. The first one is that some gifts matter more than others is the, the idea that some gifts matter more than others. See, you have been places, and maybe some of you are people who have thought this about some gifts and about some of the, some of the gifts that and the abilities that you've seen in people in church leadership or in, in church ministry. The thing that, hap- that so often happens is we think, well, what happens on the stage matters more than anything. Therefore, the gifts and the abilities that come forth on the stage, those matter more than other gifts. And let me just tell you, I have been speaking on stages since I was 20 years old, and there's a couple things that I have learned as someone who has spoken on stages and led ministry since I was 20 years old. What happens on the stage can't happen without a bunch of stuff that happens off the stage. Like if I I get up on a stage and I'm either trying to sing or trying to preach, but there's no one running the soundboard or no one who has set up a soundboard that might like everything that I'm saying, it doesn't matter because no one is, is actually going to hear it. And here's the other thing I've learned. What happens off the stage is more significant and lasting than what happens on a stage. When children are loved in Jesus's name, when when, when adults and, and teenagers are patient with children and they and they explain Bible stories and give them an anchor for their faith, that matters more than what happens on a stage. Um, when friends are invited, when people actually are bold with their friends and say, would you like to come to church with me? I promise it's not it's not gonna be scary or awkward, but but you can come with me. Or when someone shares something on social media social media, shares church online and it actually impacts and influences and you watch with friends and you message each other back and forth about what's being said and what's and what's going on, it matters. It has a lasting anchor. It's significant when people are warmly welcomed. I mean imagine, imagine, imagine. Like imagine you go to the best church that's ever been that's ever been invented and the preacher is the most dyna- dynamic person in the world and the worship leader worship leading and the music is just absolutely on point all of the time but people were not warmly welcomed like imagine someone walks in the first time and no one talks to them and no one is kind to them and no one extends a hand and no one offers coffee and no one smiles at them here's what happens all of that stuff that happens on the stage doesn't really matter. It's it's inhibited by the stuff that should have happened off of the stage but didn't. All of the stuff that happens off the stage is actually more significant and lasting and creates anchor points. And so it matters more. It's more significant. What I know is this, what happens off a stage, it can either amplify or undermine what happens from the stage. There are no gifts that matter more. All of the gifts matter. And when all of the gifts work together, that's what when we can be the church that we're called to be. That's the first pitfall that we can often fall into. And here's the second pitfall. pitfall. Since I don't have the gift I want, I won't use the gift I have. Since I don't have the gift I want, I won't use the gift I have. In Corinth, this looked like, since I don't have the gift of prophecy I want to have, I'm not going to use the gift of encouragement that I do have. Or since I don't have the gift of speaking in tongues, I won't use the gift of organization that I do have. Or I don't think I have any of these listen-to-me gifts that I want to have, so I'm not even going to bother figuring out what gift and talent I do have. Or I'm not even sure if I have any gifts or talents or abilities. But, but I, like, I know I can physically get involved in serving, but I'm not going to do that because I, because I don't think that's a gift. The, the, the temptation is since I don't have the gift that I want, I won't use the gift that I have. And Paul's reductio ad absurdum is to let us know in the body of Christ, it would be absurd for us to think that way. Paul reminds us in these verses, the mission of the church is too important to ignore or waste the abilities that you bring to the body. The mission of the church is too big of a deal, is too important for you to ignore your gifts or for you to waste your gifts because you don't have the gift that you want or because you don't think it matters as much as someone else's gift. Whatever gifts and talents and abilities you have, the church needs it all to be who we're called to be and to do what we're called to do. In verse 18, Paul went on and says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it, which means whatever gifts and whatever talents and whatever abilities you have, they've been given to you by God on purpose for a purpose. He's put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you, we all need each other. And here's what Paul is driving towards this entire time. He said, everyone has different gifts and abilities and the one body needs them all everybody has different gifts and abilities and talents. And the one body needs them all. Every individual body has different gifts and abilities. You have different gifts and abilities than I have. I have different ones than you have, that we all have different gifts and abilities. By the way, even sitting in your living right now, if you're sitting watching with your husband or wife, you have different gifts and abilities than your husband or wife. You have different abilities than your children. You have different abilities than the parents that you came from. You have different gifts and different talents and different abilities and the body of Christ needs them all. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The ear can't say to the appendix, I don't, know. well, I mean, we, maybe the appendix. <laughs> like, we can't say to each other, I don't need you because we need each other to be at full strength, to be health, to, healthy, to be whole. We need each other. Other. we need everybody working in their gifts and their talents and their abilities to become the body of Christ that we're called to be. Many parts, many people, many abilities, many backgrounds, many experiences. It's one body. And we bring it all to the body of Christ for God to use us and to move us in the directions that he wants us to move so he can use us how he wants us to be used. One last part that Paul wrote, he said, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Matter of fact, if you're watching online right now, would you type necessary in the comment bar? They're actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care." So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony, for harmony, for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, and if one part is honored, all the parts are glad." Paul reminds us in this section, simply this, the most valuable things in the body are the things that no one sees. Again, everyone sees what happens on a stage. When I sit, when I get up with a microphone or when I get up right now in front of a camera, everyone sees that. But I, but Paul would argue that it, it's possible that what's most valuable is not what's done in front of other people. It's the things that are done with, that no one else sees. That these are the things that become the glue that actually hold the body of Christ together that these are the things that the, the things that no one sees that where there's no microphones and there's no lights and there's no and there's no projector and there's no notes on a screen and there's no microphone and there's no talking heads that when that is happening when people are involved in ministry where nothing is seen and no one is seeing it that actually may be some of the most significant ministry that the church and the body of Christ ever does the messages and calls during a pandemic to make sure people were loved connected, and cared for. If you ever did that for a family member or for someone within the church, you did something that was incredibly valuable and incredibly important. The people who drive trucks that pull trailers early in the morning and get their lunch late. The organization and effort that goes into making a softball team possible. The cleaning and prep that goes into hosting a small group or a potluck. I mean, like the people who host those who cook and who clean and who cook and clean and make a warm and welcoming environment. It's amazing. The cleaning that goes into into preparing to host a small group. It's amazing. The prayer that happens when people are going through difficult stretches and seasons, when people know that they are loved and cared for and prayed for. The meal trains that happen when people have babies and when people have surgeries. These are the things that no one sees on a Sunday morning. But what happens on a Sunday morning doesn't matter so much if these things aren't happening as well. They are the glue that make a church a church where it's a body where we all care for each other and cover one another and prepare to help one another and honor one another and lift one another up so that we can all step into being the people we're called to be, to live in the world that we're called to live in and do everything we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. And and how we're called to do it, we're called to bring all of our gifts and all of our talents and all of our abilities and bring them together to be used by God together. So here's the thing, bottom line today. Bottom line today is simply this, the body needs each part to play its part. The body needs each part to play its part. And let me be very clear about what I'm saying as I say this. The body needs you as a part to play your part part. The body needs each part to play its part. If you're an encourager, the church needs you to be an encourager. If you're a welcoming personality, the body needs you to be welcoming. If you're a natural at connecting with people, the church needs you to be a connector. If you're an organizer, the body needs you to make sure that we are organized. If you love kids, the church needs you to love kids for Jesus. If you don't like kids... The church actually needs you to stay away from kids, all right? If you don't know what your gifts are, but you've got muscles and time on Sundays, the church needs you to help before or after with some setup or takedown. If you're a creative, you like photography or videography or music or creative writing or editing, the church needs you to be creative in Jesus's name. If you're a prayer warrior, the church needs you to be a person of prayer for the church. If you have a gift of leadership, the church needs you to lead people well and keep us sharp. If you have the gift of hospitality, the church needs you to to host a small group because you'll open your home and you'll create a community. If you have the gift of teaching, the church probably needs you to teach a small group because you'll open your home and create a space where people learn about Jesus like they never have before. If you have the gift of generosity, the church needs you to step into that gift toward the church as an organization and toward the church as individuals in need. And if you have the gift of empathy, the body needs you to be attentive to those within the church who are hurting or grieving. The church needs every part to play its part. And here's what happens if we all do that. Here's what happens if we all do that. People will be welcome on Sundays and welcome in each other's homes where real community can be built. Even if it starts online, if you're watching right now, people can be welcome. You are welcome at our church online, and whenever you're ready to take a step into into physical community and to or digital community, we're you're welcome. But if if, if we do this, if we if we step up to be what we're called to be and to do what we're called to do and to do it how we're called to do it, where we all bring our gifts and our talents, people are welcomed into community. People will learn about God as gifted teachers diligently teach about the character of God and His purposes for us here on earth. People will be pastored and cared for well on their best days and on their most difficult days. Not just by the pastor, but by the body of Christ coming alongside in joy and in grief. Kids and teenagers will develop a deep sense of friendship and community and anchor points of faith and know that as they walk their schools and navigate the craziness of growing up in the 21st century, they have friends that they can turn to and adults they can turn to who love God and love them and will walk through it all together. This is one of the greatest gifts that a church can provide for families. It's something that my parents and my church did for me to provide a sense of community and a sense of that there are People who are going through this with me, and I, and I know they believe what I believe, and and by God's grace, we will do that for every family in our church. By God's grace, we can do that. We can do that for every family in our church. We will use our creative skills and our abilities as teams to present the life-changing, hope-instilling message of Jesus with excellence to a world in desperate need of Him, and we meet the real physical and social needs of people within our church and our community. And here's the question that we should all ask after we hear something like that. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that church? Who wouldn't want to be a part of that church? That's almost irresistible. A place where people are welcomed, where people are welcomed regardless of background, regardless of experience, regardless of what life looks like outside of the church. A place where it's it's done with excellence and where my family is cared for and my kids are loved and my teenagers are loved and my teenagers have anchor points of faith where they won't drift too far away from faith because they know there are people who love them and care for them and will reach out to grab them if they drift too far. Like a place where, where people are cared for and prayed for and are pastored well, and ministered well. Like, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? A place where real community is developed in homes, and on Sunday mornings, and on social media, and, and, and over text. Like, that. who wouldn't want to be a part of that? That is almost irresistible. That's the kind of church I feel like, let's be honest, that's the kind of church that people could come to and disagree with about what we believe, but they would want to be a part of the community because of what we stand for and how we work together. It's amazing what, what's possible if we could actually do this. We, th- there would be no one who wouldn't want to be a part of that church. It could reach anyone. It could reach everyone. It could reach your loved ones. It could reach your family members who have walked away from faith. It could reach your kids who have walked away from faith. It could reach your parents who have walked away from faith. It could reach anyone who's walked away from faith because the community and the the body would be so attractive. And here's the side bonus of us all doing this. You discover your purpose as you play your part. You come alive as you play your part, as you step into your gifting and your calling and your abilities and your talents, as you bring them to God and say, God, I don't know if you can use this, but if you can use this, here it is what you'll find is you'll find a passion and excitement and a life and a joy that you haven't maybe felt in a long time. As you bring your talents, as you bring your God-given talents and your God-given abilities to the God who gave them to you and you surrendered them to him, you will find joy and purpose like you haven't experienced in a long time. And so here's the thing. Today, as, as, as we begin to come to a close, today I am inviting you to jump in and play your part in the body. Now, if, if if you're if you're part of our in-person community and you happen to be watching online today, we're gonna have some ways to talk about for you. If you're part of our our online community and you live somewhere else, or you're just you know part of the if, or you're, or you're in Las Cruces and you haven't yet been back in person, I want to talk. We're talking to, to to the whole thing. We're talking about talk, about the whole thing. There's gonna be some parts that we talk about that are specific to in-person, some parts that are specific to online. But here's the thing that I know: for the last two years, while everything has been crazy and wild and all over the place, we have tried really hard as a the church to not ask too much of anyone in regard to church service in regard to church ministry in regarding to to stepping into things that maybe they didn't feel comfortable with and in some ways I, I'm, I'm really proud of that. we wanted church to be church and for people to be able to off, to offer to jump in if they wanted to but not feel like they had to and in some ways I wish I had done more to invite people into the ministry of the church because it's possible that you've been coming to church you've been watching the church but you haven't been being the church because you haven't been using your gifts. You haven't been using your abilities. You haven't been using your talents in the ministry of the church. And that's my fault. That's my fault because I haven't invited you to use your gifts and to use your talents and to use your abilities. But here's what I know. It's time to jump in. The reason I called this, this, this message Move the Body Is it simply time not just to jump in? It's time for the body to move. It's time to wake up. It's time to breathe a breath of fresh air and begin to and to begin to flex our muscles and to begin to take the steps and begin to run in the directions that we're called to run in. It's time to use our brain. It's time to use our heart. It's time to bring our muscles. It's time to bring our hands and our feet and surrender every talent and every ability we have to, to into the hands of the creator who gave them to us in the first place to be used by him to do whatever he calls us and whatever he asks us to do. And so today... I'm inviting you to move. Uh, Right now, in the description of this video, in the description of this video, there's a link which will take you to a place, an online portal where you can sign up to get involved in some ways within our our church. Now, if if you're part of our online community and you're not yet part of of our physical community or or, or, or our in-person community, we have some ways that I would love to invite some of you to get involved. These are not ways that maybe we've had up to this point, but there are ways to expand the ministry of our church and to do some things that maybe we haven't thought about doing, but might just expand the kingdom of God all over the place in our city and whatever city you find yourself in. So if you're part of our online community, it may be time for some of you to to stop watching by yourself, but for you to host a watch party. We've got people who watch from Dallas and Fort Worth. We've got people who watch in Washington. We've got people who watch in Buffalo, New York. We've got people who watch in Wisconsin. We've got people who watch in Arizona. And if you're watching there, it's possible that it's time for you to stop watching by yourself, but to invite people that you know to watch with you, to form, as you might call it, a small group or a little church in your home that, revol- that, that gets together to enjoy the church service on a TV or on a computer, and then talks about what it would look like to live out that faith in your community community. It may be time to watch to, to become a watch party host or a Zoom group host. That is you're thinking about forming a small group or, or, or getting getting involved in community. Some of you you have the gift of hospitality but you don't feel comfortable yet getting back into, into physical community. And for some of you you may it may be time for you to start hosting a Zoom group. Uh, for some of you it may be that you're gonna get involved as in social media assistance. For some of you maybe joining the prayer team and maybe joining as church online hosts, uh, maybe to join the creative team as photography, as digital, as whatever, as creative writing and maybe to join an admin team that helps keep us organized in, dur- during the week. If you're interested in doing that, as Church Online right now, I would love to invite you to move as the body of Christ, to get the body moving, to move to, to take your part and to play your part. Whatever God has gifted and talented and given you the ability to do, it's time to move that for the body of Christ. If you're part of our in-person community, or if you're thinking about getting engaged back into our in-person community, there's a couple things that we have big need of as we begin to the process of moving back into the schools whenever that becomes a reality for us. Setup and Takedown are going to be more extensive, so we're going to need a few people to, to use their talent and their muscles and their abilities and their time to do that for Setup and Takedown. Our kids ministry, we always need people to, to who will love kids in Jesus' name for one weekend a month or for two weekends a month and, and, and whatever that looks like for you. Uh, for production, for people who like running sound or enjoy working computers or could run PowerPoint and lyrics or like light, running lights, we, we always need people for that. For the band, for the prayer team, for the welcome team, for the hospitality team, so people can feel welcome when they walk through the doors of our church or even before they get to the doors of the church. So there are always hands to shake hands and people to give hugs to those who want them. We want people to feel warmly welcomed at our church. And for that to happen, we need more people to be willing to to to, to extend the hand and to intentionally be, be devoted for stretches of time to making people feel welcome. And, and finally, for our creative team. So if you're interested in getting part of these teams, I want you to click the link that's in that description, fill out the form that's there we'll get that as, as we'll get that and we'll make sure that we get in contact with you in the next few weeks to get you involved in moving the body because the body is called to move the body is called to be the body of Christ moving in the world that we live in being the body of Christ loving caring sharing about sharing the gospel and pointing people to Jesus with our actions with our love and with our words and every single one of us we're part of the body of Christ, regardless of your background, regardless of your experiences, regardless of what gifts and talents and abilities you have, you are part of one body and it's time for the body to move. Let's do it together. We can make sure that what comes from this season, what comes from this next stretch of time, we can make sure that God does more in the next season of ministry, in the next season of life, more through our gifts and our talents and our abilities than we've ever seen him do before because God wants to move the body and wants the body to move as he's called us to move. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection. Thank you that it gives us new life. And God, thank you that as you've given us new life, God, we get the opportunity and we have the responsibility to use our new life to point others to your life, to the life that you have for them. So God, help us to be wise enough to know what to do with what we've just heard. Help us to have the courage to actually take a step that you're calling us to take, whether it be the simple step, the small step of filling out an online form to take some step, or whether it be actually full-on jumping head in to ministry. God, I thank you for what you wanna do in us. I thank you that you've called us to be one body, to our different backgrounds and our different experiences and our different work life and our different upbringing and our different gifts and our talents and abilities. Thank you that you wanna use all of our different to do one thing and that's point people to your son. God, I pray that you would use us, use our willingness to put our gifts into your hands so that people can see you and know you and find you and love you and follow you. We love you, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.